So far, there have been six Wednesdays in the year 2023. But which one is this? How can we be sure that they have all happened in order? One way is to mark down time as often as possible, perhaps in a regular newsletter and podcast that seeks to inform readers and listeners about things they might not otherwise know. Perhaps something called Charlottesville Community Engagement? I'm Sean Tubbs, fairly certain that this Wednesday is February 8th. On today's show, another shooting sends one to the University of Virginia Medical Center. The city of Charlottesville has released an invitation for bids for firms to renovate and expand Buford Middle School. The city and the Thomas Jefferson Planning District want your input on priorities for federal funds for housing. The Bridge Progressive Arts Initiative has announced a move to downtown Charlottesville. And Charlottesville City Council does not appear willing to raise the real property tax rate for a second year in a row. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, are you interested in helping a local organization keep our local river clean and protected? The Rivanna Conservation Alliance is holding an open house on Wednesday, February 15th at their offices on River Road in Charlottesville. Come by anytime between 4 and 7 p.m. to learn about their programs and the many ways you can get involved. Staff will be on hand to share information about monitoring, restoration, education, and stewardship activities. New and current volunteers are welcome. Light refreshments will be provided. Visit rivannariver.org to learn more. One person was injured last night in a shots-fired incident on Harris Street in Charlottesville. Charlottesville police were called to a report of a disturbance at Wicked Hits Smoke and Games shortly after midnight. According to the press release, a call quickly escalated into a shooting. Officers secured the scene and detectives and evidence technicians responded. The release goes on to state that a male victim arrived soon after at the University of Virginia Medical Center with non-threatening gunshot wounds. For access to data on crime in Charlottesville, visit the police department's website on the topic. After several years of talking about making changes to Charlottesville City Schools to add 6th grade to Buford Middle School, the city has issued an invitation for firms to bid to do the construction and demolition work required. Mike Goddard is a senior project manager with the city of Charlottesville's Public Works Department. The project is uh, the result of about 10 years of speculation and and study uh, by the city schools. And it responds to a need to take out one of the middle year transitions for students at Charlottesville City Schools. The project is fully funded up to $80 million. A future project will be to turn Walker Upper Elementary into a pre-K facility. The MDO architects and the city of Charlottesville have produced a 2,171-page document for contractors to peruse, not counting the drawings. Goddard said the project will feature an addition and a renovation. We plan to add a major volume to the existing Buford School uh, while removing the uh, gym building uh, for that school. The base plans do not envision replacing the theater building, and that work will depend on how the bids come in.
To be eligible, firms must have built at least two school projects of more than $30 million within the last five years. A second requirement is a demonstration that the contractor has experience working on a phased project on an occupied school site. A site plan meeting was held on January 4, 2023. Bids are due back by March 14th. The invitation states that work is to commence on June 1st of this year and be substantially complete by July 1st, 2026. If you have more questions about the site plan, take a look at the video on the city's website. You may hear a familiar voice, but I disclaim I did ask a question as a community member and not as a journalist. Go take a listen. Tell me what I said. There are many sources for funding for affordable housing projects, and that includes the federal government. Locally, the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission and the city of Charlottesville operate something called the Home Investment Partnership Consortium. This is a way to secure funds from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Here's a section from the Home Investment website. This program provides annual entitlement funding through HUD for housing rehabilitation, down payment assistance, or new construction for qualifying households in the region. To help guide the program, Charlottesville and the TJPDC have issued a survey to determine what respondents consider the top priorities for funding. Anyone living or working in Charlottesville, Albemarle, Fluvanna, Green, Louisa, or Nelson is encouraged to fill out this survey by February 19th. For a review of the draft allocations, take a look at the 33-page document that reviews the current state of affairs for responding to the needs of the unhoused and underhoused. Here's a section. The inventory of housing for the homeless includes a day shelter, a high barrier shelter for adult males and females with 63 beds, a low barrier thermal shelter, 24 beds, for 20 weeks per year, 92 units for medically vulnerable adult males, most of which will not be available after April 2023, 35 units of housing with permanent supportive housing, 102 vouchers with supportive services, 52 hotel rooms, 25 shelter beds for victims of domestic violence, and six units of four transitional housing. Efforts are underway to develop another 80 units of supportive housing at the Premier Circle site by 2025, but only 22 vouchers have been secured to date. However, the technical public comment period ended on February 2nd, and the public hearings have already been held. But fill out the survey. A nonprofit group that for nearly 20 years has sought to create a better community through creativity and dialogue will be moving from space in Belmont to a new location. The Bridge Progressive Arts Initiative was founded in 2004. Here's a section from an email that was sent out to supporters on Tuesday. With a mission and vision that pushes us into action, we are building the underground a center for creative collaboration. Opening in April 2023, this 4,300-square-foot creative center is located on Charlottesville's historic downtown mall. The Bridge PAI is currently closed, but used to be located on Monticello Road near the Belmont Bridge. The property it shared with Lampo Pizza sold for $800,000 to Lightning Properties last April. The registered agent for that firm appears to be the owner and chef at Lampo. The bridge unveiled a new website yesterday as well and mentions they've spent the last eight months strengthening their mission, vision, and path. 
The new space is part of that effort, and the Creative Center is intended to have a co-working space, private studios, a computer lab, and more. It is a space where artists can work in community with other creatives as they engage in painting, sculpture, digital art making, and everything in between. It is a space where artists can work in community with other creatives as they engage in painting, sculpture, digital art making, and everything in between. They're also fundraising to help keep the space free for anyone who needs it. To learn more, visit the organization's website at thebridgepai.org. Last August, the Albemarle Economic Development Authority made a $5,000 match for a $25,000 grant from the National Endowment for the Arts for a project called Unsettling Grounds that will examine the Broadway corridor. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement, Camp Albemarle has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that seeks to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure constructed in 1941 by the CCC and used by 4th and 5th grade students in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. If the campaign's successful, and we should know by now something about that, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting campalbemarleva.org slash donate. One long segment, and it took me a while to get back to this. For the podcast listeners, I'll just let you know, we've had a council shortlist. We've had the zoning. We've had a lot of things. So I haven't been able to get to this, and I really had hoped this would have come out already. But it's today, and fiscal New Year is only 114 days away. Charlottesville City Council meets tonight with the Charlottesville School Board at KTech at 5 p.m., for a work session on the budget that kicks off on July 1st. Last week, Council held a work session to give its priorities for the creation of a budget, including the setting of a tax rate. They also heard from Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers on budget guidelines, including one that has been in place for some years. We continue uh, the strong commitment to education by allocating up to 40% of new city real estate and property tax revenue to schools. Now, this is a policy. This is a guideline. This is not uh, written in stone except through the adoption of the budget. One of the main items in the presentation that schools superintendent Royal Gurley made to the school board last week was a push to get council to stick to the policy for this year. The increase in real property assessments, as well as projections for other taxes, will mean new revenue for this year. Between the assessments and increases in other key revenue areas like lodging and hotel uh, uh, taxes, uh, we have a 
uh, a 13.9 million dollar increase. The school system's share of those new revenues would be 4.2 million dollars. The adopted fiscal year 23 budget is at around 212.9 million. The additional revenue would bring that to 226.7 million if the tax rates are kept the same. But let's focus first on the amount that comes from the assessment increase. Here's Chrissy Hamill, the city's director of budget and performance. That accounts for $9.9 million of that $13 million. Some other projected changes. Albemarle's payment to Charlottesville for the revenue-sharing agreement will increase by $170,513 to a total of $15.7 million and change. Fees from building permits are projected to bring in $381,000 less in fiscal year 24 for a total of $949,000. Revenue from EMS billing is projected to decrease by $135,000 to $765,000 for fiscal year 24. But let's get back to that $13.9 million. First, Hamill subtracted the $4.2 million for schools and shared another $3.3 million in known new expenses, such as paying for city positions that were initially funded by one-time money, as well as pay increases for bus drivers for both the school system and Charlottesville area transit. People may think that you've got $13.9 million. Well, $8.4 of it is already gone by. And, and, and that the remaining amount... The $5.5 million is, is the margin that we're dealing with. And that's before factoring in anticipated increase in salaries for city staff. A 4% merit increase would cost $2.4 million. That does not factor in what might come out of the compensation study that will be published later this month, nor does it take into account collective bargaining. Retirees would get a 2% cost of living increase for a total of $1 million. The city's cost to cover increases in health care is $277,905, but with no increase expected for employees. That's a total of $3.7 million. Staff has also added $200,000 to the Vibrant Community Fund based on feedback from council at a work session in December. Rogers ended the presentation with a question to council. And so the question is, what else is on council's mind? Councillor Brian Pinkston said he would be willing to tweak the school formula to provide funding for general government. For me, that is not something that's sacrosanct. We are investing in our schools to the tune of $80 million. And if you include the the um, the escalation, um, we are making a major contribution to, to get our schools to the place they need to be. For instance, Pinkston said the funding could help increase the amount available for housing initiatives. The Affordable Housing Plan, adopted in March of 2021, commits the city to invest $10 million in housing, including administration. All of the city's housing initiatives are now running through the Office of Community Solutions. Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders said even if there is more funding available, it still won't meet the level of requests that have been submitted this year. Every housing pot that we have is oversubscribed. So I think we received three times as many applications than for amount exceeded three times what we have available. For instance, there are 10 applications for housing development project investments for a total request of $33.36 million. Eight of these come from the Piedmont Housing Alliance. 
The city has not had a housing program manager since the summer of 2020, when John Sales left the position after one year to run the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. Councillor Michael Payne noted that the inclusionary zoning provisions anticipated in the new zoning code and said that staff will need to be in place to monitor the situation. However we structure it, that means for every larger new development, if it's successful, the city will need a process to verify the developer is actually following through on that commitment and not just saying, oh yeah, sure, we're going to do it and then no one ever checks. Here's a reminder that the city has already lost track of how the existing Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund had been used since it was created in 2007. There had to be an audit that deputy city managers presented to the council last April. Payne also put in a plug for at least $50 million in investment in public housing projects operated by the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. I think it's important for the city now to begin planning for the West Haven phase of public housing redevelopment. I know that's not, you know, this immediate fiscal year or even the one following that, but the scale of that project, I think we really need to begin planning for how we're going to afford it now. The first occupants have moved into new CRHA units at South First Street, according to a report given to the Board of Commissioners in January. Renovations at Crescent Halls are also nearing completion. The organization also spent nearly a million dollars to buy three properties in 2022 to serve as scattered sites for subsidized housing. Pinkston said he would like to see funding to pay for a study for what the city would need for a permanent shelter for the unhoused. Think back to what we heard at the beginning of this program. I think that we really need to get serious about a shelter for the unhoused that's one that we can really count on uh, and that we've got access um, that meets the community needs. I'm not I'm not saying we need to budget a million dollars for it next year, but I, I really think that we need to make some investments in planning for that so that we're not just continuing to chase that topic. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade said that he wants the city to be able to address what he said was an increase in the level of gun violence in the community. He was referring to the murder of Eldridge Vandrew Smith on January 28th on Grove Street. The last shooting was particularly close because it was a young man that I knew very well. So I think that more and more people are starting to feel like it's not safe. Think back to the beginning of this newsletter. The next major decision for this budget cycle is to determine what tax rate to advertise for the public hearing on March 20th. Last year, they agreed to advertise a 10-cent increase on the real property rate, but settled on a 1-cent increase. Under Virginia law, a locality must advertise the highest maximum rate it may consider for the budget, but that does not compel that rate to actually be adopted. Every penny increase on the real estate property tax rate would yield an additional $1 million in new revenue. Again, 40% would go to the schools. Where do councillors currently stand? Here's Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade. I'm in the camp right now that I don't, I wouldn't want to see any increase at all. And I think that the increase in assessment has been hard on a lot of property owners, and I think that I wouldn't like, I wouldn't want to see any increase um, in the property tax. Payne said he felt advertising a higher rate of one or two cents would give council more flexibility. 
I'm a little bit more comfortable publishing something or advertising something so we can at least discuss it, even if, you know, our preference is not to increase anything. Payne said he would favor increasing the lodging tax over the real property tax rate. The lodging tax rate is currently at 8% of the total bill, according to the city's website. A potential change in that rate does not need to be advertised 30 days before the first public hearing, only seven. Payne also hinted that the city could increase the property tax rate as long as there is funding to provide relief to those who qualify. Commissioner of Revenue Todd Divers cautioned against using that tactic. I, I don't think you can ever um, relief your way out of a uh, uh, an assessment increase or a rate increase in Virginia. More on that theoretical exercise another day and perhaps in another budget cycle. For now, we still have this one to get through. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook voted against the one-cent real property tax rate increase last year and said he would not be willing to further it this time around. I'm feeling at this point that we've got where, where we will have had basically back-to-back 12 to 13 percent increases, effectively 25 percent over two years, uh, that the logic... Uh, is basically the same for me that I don't think we should be raising the taxes. Pinkston said he was also not supportive of increasing the tax rate this year. Last year, it felt like to me that I could justify doing it because we had this huge school thing hanging over our head. Now, even though there's lots of needs, uh, I do feel like the budget that we're seeing is a responsive budget. It's a thoughtful budget. Pinkston then sought to get his colleague's position on the formula for schools. Mayor Snook explained why he supported keeping it in place. We know that the largest percentage of the school's budget is personnel. In other words, teachers. Mm -hmm. We know that teachers are not overpaid. If anything, they're underpaid. And we also know that they've just approved or are moving toward approving collective bargaining. Mm -hmm. It would not be wise, I think, to assume that in this year of all years, as they are about to be moving into collective bargaining, that we're somehow going to be able to convince them to find a way to economize on teacher salaries. Payne agreed with Snook that this was not the year to change that formula, particularly regarding a consequence of the repeal of the grocery tax that did not find replacement funding for revenues lost at the state level. Stay tuned for more details on the budget here on Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'll try to get the next one out much quicker next time. And that's the end of this edition of the program. For some reason, I wrote most of this episode last night at a place outside of where I usually produce these things. Can you tell the sound's different? I wanted to make sure that my write-up on the budget discussion was out before the joint work session begins. I hope that what I wrote conveys enough about these conversations to give you enough of the relevant information. That's the point of all of this. But here we are at the end of another installment, and as soon as I'm done with this one, it will be time to start the next one. This is all possible because of paid subscribers through Substack. Thank you to all of you who have done that and for all of those who will do that in the future. Keep in mind when you do, Ting, the internet company, Ting, will match your initial payment. That helps me keep on track to keep writing and explaining as much as I can about things that I feel more people should understand. And I'm always trying to make you listen to the primary sources because, you know, really, I'm pretty irrelevant. 
Ting also wants to help with your high-speed internet needs. That's not irrelevant. And if you sign up at a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code community, what are you going to get? Free installation, a second month for free, a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. And I am so late getting this one out that there's not even enough time to thank Vraki for the music and the fundamental grang for not technically existing. I am Sean Tubbs, and keep your chin up. I only said that because it's on this little teacup at my mother's house, and there's a little bear in it. It's kind of cool. There's also a lot of giraffes. A lot of giraffes. You've been listening to Giraffe Community Engagement.